Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is April 26, 2021, and this is episode 315. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we're going to pull down our shoulder harnesses and ride the emotional roller coaster that is Orioles baseball. We'll also pop onto the fainting couch, kick off our shoes, and calm down a little bit in this stressful environment that we're in. Do we have the smelling salts? Uh, we've got other things to wake ourselves up. In that case, let's take a look at it. Uh, it's time for the drink of the week. Scotty, what is upon your lips this week? Uh, I'm drinking a Carpe Diem Double IPA from Independent Brewing. Gluten-free and yummy at the same time. You know, I've never seen that in a can. I uh, Mad props. Yeah. I enjoy. I enjoy. I have been working my way through a six-pack of Ballast Point Fathom IPA. Hadn't been familiar with with their full-on IPA, usually drink their session. Uh, it, it's okay. It's it's worth it. It's it's worth the experience at least once. Ballast Point is one of the more interesting breweries um, over the past few seasons or for a few years. Um, if you think back to it, you know they were obviously you know independent brewing company. Then they were bought out by Constellation Brands, and you're like, well, help. So, so much for that. And then they were sold for like pennies on the dollar to king's convict brewing company like a little tiny brewery in the chicago area so obviously constellation ate a ton of money on the deal just a really weird um you know journey uh for 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 that brand um so yeah i'm glad that you were enjoying the ipa from the chicago area there um, it has journeyed directly to my lips. And uh, like I said, it's 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 done very well. So if you want to know what we're drinking on a weekly slash daily slash hourly basis, you can follow us on Untapped. I'm at MAGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go on over to the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. going to listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. Scott, it's a weird time right now. Have you seen the moon tonight? Uh, I have not seen the moon this evening. Is it blood red, orange? Like, what are we looking for? The moon is real, and it is spectacular. Okay. It is full, and it is huge. And there's not even subtext or joke there. The moon is incredible. But the fact that it is a full moon tonight means that here on Monday the 26th, weird stuff's going to happen. And we saw that in tonight's game as Freddie Galvis was pulled with an undisclosed at this particular moment that I'm speaking, but not by the time most people are going to hear this ailment. So we're going to start the medical wing on this particular full moon and say that Freddie Galvis has a thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what's going on. I mean, if you go back and review the video, um, watch Freddie Galvis playing, you know, he hit a ball off the wall. 
Um, and then, you know, came out, the ne- he didn't come out the next inning. Um, you know, based off the timing of the given situation, uh, I think we can confirm that Freddie Galvis is the next Teen Wolf. Um, and that's the only reason why he was pulled at this given time. I think that he became fully aware that it was a, uh, a marvelous night for a moon dance. Did you know that Freddie Galvis was actually born in London? <laughs> I was not aware. <laughs> That's one small step for Freddie Galvis. Do we have any other moon references? I don't think so. I think we're good there. All right. So Freddie Galvis has a thing. <laughs> by the time by the time you hear this, you'll know what we don't. Uh, but we obviously hope that Freddie Galvis um, recovers quickly. Do you think there's a river on the moon? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Uh, those are very tranquil thoughts. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on in the medical wing that is not moon-related? We've got Keegan Aiken, who's day-to-day with an ouchie on his finger. He apparently had a breakfast-related cuttery injury, and um, he's he's got 10 stitches in his finger and will be out for a for, while. For, for 10-plus days, yeah. I, I don't quite understand what's going on here. I, I mean, I'm thinking avocado toast. I mean... <laughs> Um, you know, somebody indicated that bagels, bagel cuts are one of the biggest injuries from a breakfast basis as of recently, but I feel like that's a very like 1990s thing for bagels. Like I think avocado toast is the the new hip millennial thing. I'm not one for conspiracy theories. Yeah. Except this one. Okay. I think there is no more vanilla reason behind an injury than preparing breakfast this is clearly a beard this is a cover story for something wildly stupid that he did and i can't wait until that hits the light of day so uh obviously we're always looking for nicknames yes. uh, going forward uh can we now refer to keegan aiken as paper cut going forward i mean that that is a candidate that is a candidate guadzilla uh this is an official audit nickname alert whoop, whoop, whoop. workshop that would you yeah uh, like I said, we've we've got to you know make sure that we are you know writing all these down. Someone's got to write down the content we're coming up with on a on a daily basis. It's certainly not us. Uh, not us. No. <laughs> um, next one is Anthony Santander. Uh, ankle sprain came into first base. Um, not great. Um, you know, it looked really bad. It um, looked really scary when it. Was um, yeah. You know, it, he dodged a bullet. I. I it, you know, he went to the ten day IL. Um, I I think he's on the IL for at least a month. Here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Hear me out on this one. Okay. I'm not a doctor. Yep. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express yep. last night. By the way, that's a reference that my kids refuse to get. Um, I'm thinking we take Anthony Santander mm-hmm. into a parking lot mm-hmm. and we pothole him Ooh. for the anti-pothole, right? He's already got the sprain. Yep. Walks his way through the pothole. By the time he comes out, he's fine. Uh, you know, that is... Um I thought we had filled in all the potholes around Camden Yards, but you know what? Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea whatsoever. It's Baltimore City. Give it 10 minutes. Uh, absolutely. Um, not else, nothing else really big popped up this week. You know, obviously, Chris Davis, you know, it, it, a report came out that he was watching TV once again. So <laughs> um, he is fully out of the coma, apparently, that he was in and is able to cheer on his team once again um, with his lower back, back strain. Hunter Harvey, um, still dealing with that oblique, you know, still trying to manage to cut his hair. Um, and on Max Roller is, uh, you know, still being hidden from other teams and trying not to be, uh, claimed back and have to send me back to the other team. So yeah, nothing too new, um, going on. I think the Freddie Galvis werewolf situation is obviously the most concerning, um, because, you know, obviously I'm not really concerned about having a werewolf on the team. I'm just more concerned about having Ramon Urias up the middle in the infield. 
think you're concerned about the safety of the other team, really. No, it's, I'm just concerned about Ramon Urias. Like, but not Rio Ruiz. No, of course not. Like I said, that's a gold glover second baseman after we saw what he did in second base. And like I said, you know, uh, if the other teams need to call, start carrying around silver bats, I, I completely understand going for it with Freddie Galvis. All right. I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm I'm here for all of it. Uh, so can we get into any more trouble here in the medical wing? Uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, we will put, um, werewolves Bane and Wolf's Bane out there for folks. And, uh, let's go to 280 character less this week on the Twitters. Jake, start us off. You missed the silver bullet. Oh, I did miss a silver bullet. All right. We're going to start with a tweet about getting the call up. And this is a tweet from Rockabaco, who, of course, tweets at Mass and Rock. The Orioles have selected the contract of right-handed pitcher Jay Flaw. And then he he went ahead and spelled that out for me. Flaw. All right. Jay Flaw from the alternate training site at Double A Bowie. He will wear number 77, and his first appearance will be his major league debut. Left-handed pitcher Zach Lothar has been optioned to the alternate training site at Double A. I mean, not too surprising to see Zach Lothar optioned after pitching uh, yesterday. Good for him to get his major league baseball debut. Um, But yeah, Jay Flaw... um, Okay, like here's here's the observation I make. Yeah, one, uh, the Norfolk shuttle is a moving. Oh, absolutely. Of course, at this point, it's the buoy shuttle, but whatever. But to say J Fall was not even on our radar, to right? Basically, be and have a contract selected. And I will not call Flaw a a high level prospect of any kind. What I will say is that outside of Rutschman, service time does not seem to be an issue right now. No, right? I agree. We I, have a need in a lost season. Let's bring him up. And, oh, by the way, let's see what we've got. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you look through his scouting reports, there's obviously flaw uh, in in his pitches. But, um, you know, uh, he'll manage to go out there and be a decent relief pitcher. I'm so, so disappointed that that happened. All right, Scotty, what's next? Uh, Next week goes into the category of getting the call up. Wait, 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 didn't we just do that? Didn't we just do that? Um, This week comes from the Baltimore Orioles. Congratulations to the new voice of the Camden Yards, Adrian Robinson. Adrian becomes the first female public address announcer in Orioles history and joins the club after spending the last 17 years as the PA PA announcer for the Bowie Bay Sox. Hey, it's the Bowie Shuttle. It is the Bowie (laughs) Shuttle. Uh, No, it's great for Adrian. Uh, You know, welcome to the bigs. Welcome to the show. You know, we've talked ad nauseum about this situation. So at this point, I think all we can do is just, you know, welcome her to the club and have it, uh, you know, be the next uh, background to our, our summers at the yard. So great for her. And, uh, you know, we move from here. Absolutely. Uh, next week goes into the weird flex, but okay. This comes from our good friends, Oreo fan probs. Hey, if you got a Z at the end of your name, I guess you're able to flex. Uh, they re- respond as followings. Imagine coming into Baltimore with a double digit winning streak mm-hmm. only to get absolutely trounced by an Orioles team that many expect to lose triple digit games this season. I can't think of many things that would be more embarrassing than that. Have a safe flight home, athletics. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is a thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think this falls into um, the meme uh, wars that occur every single time the Orioles win and everyone kind of goes over to the other team and they, in essence, make fun for the other team, basically of losing to a team that had 0% playoff odds chances. Um, hey, hey, it's point oh one. Not at the beginning of the season, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm not feeling this one. All right, let's see if we feel this one. Our next, our next tweet comes from Devon Fink at Devon Fink. 
Jacob deGrom has produced more war since 2018 than all starting pitchers for the Tigers, White Sox, Giants, Angels, Marlins, Royals, Blue Jays, and you knew where this was going, Orioles. That can't be right. One second. Let me do the math. No. Enhance. 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 Ah, He's actually right. Math. It checks out. Here's the thing. Remember back in the dark ages where they would give you the weird stats of like, you know, Yankees pitchers, anybody who'd spent like more than three years in New York and just the dominating stats that they would have against the hapless Orioles. And I'd be like... Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, Andy he Pettit, gets to play the yeah. or Andy Pettit is Andy a perfect, Pettit's example. A perfect example where you would look at his numbers and be like, that's a Hall of Fame pitcher right there. But look who he went against. You know, it's funny because in the future, we're going to actually look back and it's going to be like Freddie Galvis in full moon games. <laughs> Where's the bust? <laughs> but uh, I think I do think it's interesting that Jacob deGrom has more war than the Orioles um, starters. However... I would think that's probably not a very exclusive club. I don't think it's an exclusive club. Like I said, um, I, I think Freddie Galvis on full moon has more uh, pitching war than the uh, start. I agree. Uh, you know, for as much as we make fun of the Orioles and uh, the, the, the bad baseball that we continue to see, there was some good news this past week. Um, and it came from um, Orioles on Masson, and this got reported to the beat writers as well. But Heston Kerstad has been medically cleared to join the Orioles at the alternate site. And we'll report to tomorrow. Um, you know, he, there was the report that came out, you know, earlier in the offseason indicating that he was having some, you know, concerns from a heart condition that popped up. You know, he had missed a lot of time also at the end of last season. Um, and there was the, you know, supposition that, uh, you know, it was COVID related. Uh, and this has just been lingering is the best way to put it. So it's great to see that he's able to get back onto the ball field, um, you know, potentially contribute to the team that drafted him. But most importantly, um, that he just has a healthier, healthy outlook on life. Um, obviously, if there was any concern, um, the Orioles would have immediately just shut it down. So um, I'm glad that he's getting to start his career for the first time. And like I said, it's a big, big first step. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see that that happen. And of course, you know, he was sidelined with a heart condition. Anytime something like that uh, comes to light, you know, you're obviously worried about the person uh, and the ball player. And so if they're at the point now you know, with their medical team and their insurance team right. that they can put him on the field. You have to to feel good about it heading in the right direction. I so. mean, Jake, you know, as an individual yourself who had their baseball career shut down due to a heart condition, this has to make you feel pretty good. No, no, no. I, I had my baseball career shut down at the age of 14 because of my left arm. Oh. oh. So if you threw with your right arm, it would have been better? No. Oh, okay. It did, however, break my heart. <laughs> Well, with that, um, you know, there's been a lot of breaking of hearts uh, lately while watching the Baltimore Orioles. Um, It has been uh, emotional is the best way to put it. Um, But I don't think it's that surprising. But let's let's go ahead and take a tally of our emotions and and get a feel for what is there to expect um, from the rest of the season uh, and what we should be honest with ourselves about.
So Jake, we do this to ourselves. We forget this whole, you know, you know, thought process of it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I'm actually remembering back to one of the, my favorite articles, and it comes back to Andrew Stetka, and he he talked about how uh, difficult it was to basically basically be in it for every single game during a long season when competitive baseball is going on. And, you know, right now it's really easy to check out and be like, well, I'll watch this game and miss this game. Um, but when you're watching it every single night, um, it is, it's grueling. Whether the team is winning and or losing, you are, you know, feeling it in, in your, in your depths. Um, and, and we just live and die by that win and loss basis, probably a little less now than we have in the past. It's just dying. Um, but I do think at the very beginning of this season, there are some immense overreactions, both positive and negative, uh, in terms of people wanting to, in essence, project out on an entire season in a very small sample size. Um, so, you know, just like we do during spring training, we say it's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's a small sample size. We're not going to make that big of a deal with it. We're going to get this person the uh, the Jake Fox Award and move on to it. Um why do we, in essence, jump right into it um, at the very beginning of the season and just make all these proclamations um, at, at, right at the beginning and saying, here's how the rest of the season is going to go? All right. Are you taking notes here? I'm ready. We. Godzilla, get ready. Get your paper. Get your pen out. Let's go. <laughs> we as baseball fans, as sports fans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are, we're stupid. Oh. That's, oh, that's yes. it. No, but you're 100% right. We we do this to ourselves. We allow ourselves to to buy in emotionally. You know, here we are, what, 21 games in? They're playing their 22nd tonight yep. as we speak. Next to nothing as far as the season is concerned. And yet there are so many of us that are just living and dying with these things. It, it, we put ourselves on this emotional roller coaster. And so I, I think, you know, maybe we should take a look at those highs, those lows, and the effect that the ride has on us. So... Let's talk about the the highs. Yeah. Okay. Of this emotional roller coaster. Sometimes it might feel like it's hard to find those highs, you know, particularly when you go through stretches of losses. But one of the things that I think that we have the opportunity for this season to enjoy is, you know, we just talked about it a second ago, uh, major league debuts mm-hmm. for a lot of players. And we hope that some of those players, you know, with this shotgun approach, might be around for some fun years. So whether it's a Bruce Zimmerman or whether it's a, uh, you know, a Lothar or, you know, who else has made their debut? I think it's the the two Rule 5 guys yep. and now Flaw, but if he, when he comes up. But, you know, we have the opportunity this season to get a first look at some guys that, that might be exciting. Cesar Valdez making his, uh, you know, MLB debut at 36 years old. I mean, you're absolutely right that you've got to take these these small victories and kind of get excited for certain players. I mean, I don't think you get excited for everybody that is making the MLBW because again, it's another name um, like Flaw. Um, like I said, I, I'm not going to you know really pay attention to that. But you know, a Zach Lothar is something that you should get excited about because it's a tease for the future, um, not necessarily um, a, a top level prospect like we've seen in the past with like a Matt Weeders or a Manny Machado. But someone, again, that we have talked about before in the past of saying, who's going to form that nucleus? I could easily see a Zach Lothar forming um, a part of the nucleus for the team, whether it be in the starting rotation and or as a critical bullpen piece, a la like a Tommy Hunter, for example, um, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is that we won't know it while it's happening. No. 
Right. When, when Manny Machado came up, it was a big deal. Yeah. Right. It, it caught us by surprise and, you know, they, they brought him up and everybody was like, oh my God, he's here. Right. These guys are going to sneak up on us. Right. And, you it's know. It's like dating that pretty girl at Y Camp and you just don't know it's quite going to work out, but somehow it magically works out. Scotty, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was actually just thinking about the fact that we didn't think anything when John Means made his right. major league debut. Right? Absolutely. And I'm not saying that he's the second coming or anything, but if we knew then what we oh, know yeah. now, <laughs> it's a marvelous night. Um, <laughs> if we knew then what we know now about John Means, it would have been really exciting. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, um, you know, being you know a late round draft pick, 30th round draft pick, which again, doesn't exist anymore by Major League Baseball. Right. I'll have it be that later round. Uh, there are going to be surprises out there. Um but, you know, I think you have to take a look at, you know, small victories that we see um, in terms of, you know, Zach Luther coming in to yesterday's game in a blowout game. We'll call it that. But going up there and, you know, getting his first inning of relief and, you know, not blowing his arm out, you know, being able to walk off the mound. Not exploding. Not exploding. And just being like, hey, today was an okay day. So so I think what we're saying is that one of the highs is that we need to allow our heart to be open to take the simple joys of rookies coming to the show and embracing them because they might just be a useful piece. And they might be fun. And there might be some personality there. Is fun allowed? Uh, not just yet, but in two years it will be. All right. Uh, but you know what? It is sometimes fun uh, when the team wins. Excuse me? Uh, it is fun sometimes when the team wins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that fact checked. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, we think back to that first series and being able to go out, uh, up into Boston – Sweep the Red Sox, and you're just like, God, I want to reach out to every single Red Sox fan I know and just rub it in their face. And like, even tonight with the Orioles only winning two to nothing at this given moment when we're talking, um, I'm reaching out to a few folks that I know are I think Yankees fans, and I'm like, so is Aaron Boone fired like in the seventh inning, or is he fired at the end of the game? Like, how does this work? And they're just like, God, we are so bad. And it's good just to kind of rub a little salt in the wound. Because they, again, are so emotionally invested because they're supposed to be winning, and yet they're losing to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's, it's this aspect of this underdog story, um, similar to the 2011 Orioles when they knocked out the Boston Red Sox. Um, and you like to see those kind of um, you know, underdog stories you know, prevail and you know, break other people's hearts. Uh, misery loves company is the best way to put it. The other thing, I, I don't know if you're anything like this, but even when I'm feeling the worst about the team, right? right. It's been, you know, eight games straight that they've lost. Uh, it, it feels hopeless. You know, I, you don't even look at the standings because you don't want to see. But then you sit down and you watch a game or you watch part of the game and the Orioles get ahead or the Orioles come from behind or the Orioles, you know, seal the win. That feeling, like if you could just bottle that. Because it washes all that other crap away, at least until the next pitch for the next day is thrown, there is no better feeling than watching your team win a baseball game. And if you cut out all the rest of the stimuli of, you know, this season being painful, it is fun to watch a win. So I think that's an interesting point, because on the whole, we know if you add everything up, the team is going to be bad. They're going to win probably 40 to 45% of their games. Are you telling me that 162 and nothing is no longer possible? That is no longer possible. Have you checked that? Uh, I have checked it. Okay. Um, but, let me, math, yep, it all checks out. Um, but yeah, Jake, you're absolutely right of, 
you've got to take those small victories of like Austin Hayes having two home runs and beating the athletics, snapping their streak. I don't know necessarily if I would go taunting the other team. <laughs> um, like, uh, I'm looking at you probs. Like, I'm looking at you probs. Um, but it is one of those situations where it makes it a little bit more enjoyable to take out some small victories that come of it. Um, that's, that's what I would say. You know, the thing, we, we talk about the wins, but we also, we have to make our own victories. We have to make our own fun. And I think that this team has some storylines where we can do some of that. One of the ways that I, I hope we look back on this season um, when it's complete is some of the cast of characters that have come through here on one or, or short-term deals um, have been, you know, favorites. Look, you know, it was during the winning years, of course, but, you know, Nelson Cruz was only here for a year, but look how much we enjoyed him, sure. right? Imagine, just imagine a world in which Matt Harvey goes from not having a Major League Baseball win since the Hoover administration, gets his first win last week, and turns his career into something other than a horrible black hole by the end of this trial period with the Orioles. Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Wouldn't it be fun to see him turn his career back into a useful pitcher? I mean, I certainly think that it'd be it's it's fun. And like I said, I've actually enjoyed watching Matt Harvey pitch and I know that there are concerns as it relates to Matt Harvey and how deep he's going into games, but ultimately I like the approach that he's having out there, even in a short sample size in terms of only going four or five innings. I want to see how long Matt Harvey can do it for uh, before he gets figured out once again. Um, so yeah, like I said, there are these these small victories that are kind of encouraging to me, that are, are, are interesting to me. Yeah, and, and then, you know, again, making our own our own victories. I'm basically willing to to declare victory every time Trey Mancini does anything. Yeah. Trey Mancini gets up that next morning. That's victory. Trey Mancini puts his cup on. That's a victory. Trey Mancini spotted with, with Sarah Perlman. That's a victory. It's it's It literally is just victory upon victory for, for Trey Mancini. I, I meant like... Every time he has a home run. Oh, every, every time he hits a home run. Every oh, time he every time he gets on base. It just oh, going from Well, there hasn't being, been that many of them, but <laughs> going from being so worried about him to having him on the field, uh, we're in the bonus. You're right. We are in the bonus category and anything Trey does um, you know, this season is um, you know, obviously a blessing is the best way to put it. And it, it's as simple as that. And, and, you know, to a, a much lesser degree, and we've talked about this before, watching Cedric Mullins play, I think, has also, you know, been a, a thing where we kind of set the bar so incredibly low for our expectations, and he's exceeding that wildly. And that's, I mean, don't look now, but that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. And like I said, it's it's good to see someone rebound, um, is the best way to put it. And um, it's good to see him have continued success. And and even seeing Austin Hayes come back after being on the injured list and having success once again, um, it's just you see bright spots. Um, you know, through all the defeat and all the, all the disaster, there are a few bright spots that you have to focus on um, to prevent yourself from going into impending darkness. Speaking of darkness, yes, the season is not all light. On this emotional roller coaster, there will be dips, frightening, terrifying, pee-inducing dips does that not happen to everybody on roller coasters i mean i definitely think it does okay um there will be lows in this season um and i we have to we have to discuss the elephant in the room yeah 
as of this moment, yep. before this game that we uh, keep mentioning this evening concludes, the Orioles will have been 2-8 and eight at home. And that means absolutely nothing. However, if they go on to have some weird, we don't win very often at home thing like they did that year or seven that they had the uh, Sunday streak, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be it's going to be very ugly. It it's not going to be fun, and it's going to be one of those things that people talk about, and they're going to be like, "Can what's what's going on here? Why can't they win at home?" Um, but it's not something I'm you know ultimately going to get bothered by. But it's going to be annoying is the best way to put it, and I just don't want to have that annoyance. Also, we're talking about ten games. We we are talking about ten games. It's just the annoyance factor. You know, you come back to the Sunday loss streak. And I just it I just hated the fact that it kind of just loomed over and it's just like it makes no sense. It doesn't make any any thought process. And I even remember during it was either the 2012 season or the 2014 season, they were just like, the Orioles are not good during day games. So <laughs> if the Orioles go and play the Tigers in the ALDS and they have to play day games as opposed to night games, is that going to affect them? And it's just like you're so stupid that this doesn't matter. But it's what people will talk about it. And as it relates to home, I do wonder if to a certain part it plays a role or a mentality for people to say, well, why would I go see them? They always lose at home regardless. <laughs> and like I said, it's that superstition um, that it doesn't make any sense, but people will always follow that basis. Are you saying like at home on the night of a full moon, they might lose? Uh, absolutely. Like I said, it's almost like they're cursed. Um, I think the other thing that has been extremely low for the entire season has just been the inconsistent offense. And, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about this as it relates to the Orioles having a really poor approach in terms of chasing a lot of balls outside the zone. Um, and even balls that are in the zone, they just haven't been making good contact, um, and doing a lot of whiffs, um, and not having, I think there are fourth lows right now in barrels, maybe in major league baseball. Um, and, I think it's overshadowing a lot. I mean, I honestly think the off, uh, the offense, you know, if they were just playing mediocre, um, you know, this team would be actually playing pretty well with the with the pitching that we've been getting as of lately. And that doesn't mean that the pitching has been great. Um, but I, I, I th- like I said, it's the play discipline that really scares me. I'm not worried about the warning track power from Mount Castle or anything like that. It's just... They seem to be chasing the ball a lot, and they seem to be being very aggressive. I think they're only seeing 3.82 pitches per plate appearance right now, um, which I think is the worst in Major League Baseball. Um, it's it's unnerving is the best way to put it, and, and I just don't know what to make of it just yet. So, you know, talking um, – I mean, this goes back to first season bird's eye view – what do the numbers tell us versus what, you know, how does that contribute to the story? Sure. I've been listening to Palmer and Ben McDonald talk a lot recently about, you know, well, we called it this back then, but now we have something to, to, uh, you know, quantify, quantify it. Yep. That, but you look at the Orioles, they are the, what, the second youngest team in the league, right? Yep. And so we know that they're young, they're inexperienced. We know that they're pressing because they're losing, mm-hmm. and that's being quantified by the fact that all the things you just mentioned, chasing is is out through the roof. Yeah, the, this but, team is offensively shutting down for long periods of time. Yeah, and I don't want to make the excuse that they're young because I come back to I want to talk about the Padres really quickly. Padres is an extremely young team, and they are taking so many pitches almost to the extreme. Um, 
where it's almost a question of like, are they being under aggressive in approach? So I, I want to be very careful of like, I don't think this is a basis of young players versus older players, veterans versus rookies. I think, you know, part of this is a strategy that is being potentially employed by the Baltimore Orioles. Um, but it gets me concerned as it relates to the talent within the organization of, you know, I think we've got a lot of depth as it relates to pitching coming up in the next two to three years. I'm still concerned about position players. So important distinction, Padres are young and good. Yes. And, that, and that's absolutely right. Is It is not just a young versus old. It's a talent versus no talent basis. And that's what concerns me more is, are we seeing the precursors of just saying there really isn't any talent here um, in on the position player basis? And as much as we may have rebuilt the pitching arsenal um, in the next, we'll call it two to four years, there's not going to be enough position players in order to supplement out. I mean, even Mountcastle has been poor. And here's the thing, strategy-wise. How are you going to keep Brandon Hyde from tearing off where his hair used to be? Uh, that that's a great question. Um, on a night to night basis, when that offense is anemic, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is we don't know where else he may have hair on his body, so we might be able to do a hair transplant. Um, oh, that's not where, not where I thought that was going, and I'm so pleasantly surprised. All right, let me quickly segue before we go any further. Uh, but we we talked about you know, hey, are these kids good uh, or not? And I think one of the lows that we have to deal with is growing pains. Mm-hmm. And as we find out, and by the end of the season, we might not even know. Uh, but as we find out if if some of these young uh, players are gonna be any good, you know, we just have to deal with the fact that we are gonna see a lot of subpar baseball you know you mentioned ryan mountcastle who has underwhelmed i think to put it charity i think that is putting it very nicely i think uh, last time i checked he had a negative 0.7 f4 so uh i'm assuming he's chris davis's locker right now in the clubhouse um on that basis can we stop saying chris davis i'm I'm afraid that if we say his name too many times he's going to appear that's fine we can just go back to talk about ryan mountcastle the crusher (laughs) he who will not be named um you know, he's not the only one, though. I, we look at Austin Hayes, the last game that he played, notwithstanding, uh, has had a slow start. You know, mm-hmm. one, uh, again, where he can't seem to unshackle himself from the shadow of Nolan Reimold. Um, there are plenty of young players on this team that we had high hopes for, perhaps unreasonably, as fans do, um, that we're going to have to watch grow. And that might be a low on this roller coaster ride. I do agree with you that um, it, it may be alone. I, I, you know, I think even come back to really good players that we've had before in the past. Adam Jones came in many a seasons very slow to begin the season. And we're like, well, eventually he's got turned around because historically he's always done really well. Um, but you're right. Like we are in a very small sample size. Even Mountcastle has only had 77 plate appearances. That being said, they have been 77 really, really, really bad plate appearances. Um, so you're right that there are going to be growing pains. Um, and, you know, there's going to be, you know, also returning to normalcy like a, a Cedric Mullins. Um, and everything will balance out eventually. Um, but, man, it is very disappointing to continue to see Ryan Mountcastle struggle. And I was glad to see him get a double tonight. Um, but, again, I kept thinking to myself, well, hit ball. And it's off the wall as opposed to over the wall. New ball. It's it's the new ball. Yeah. It, uh, 
Please, please let it be the new ball. Scott, tell me it's the new ball. Uh, I, I don't know. It uh, needs to be the new ball, Scott. I don't know. Um, so those were the highs. Those are the lows. I mean, that's got to be it, right? There can't be anything worse than that. No, 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 Scott. You obviously. Am I a new fan here? You have not ro- ridden roller coasters with me. Uh, we've talked about the highs. Yeah. We've talked about the plummeting lows. We've talked about the breakneck speed. So, are we going to enter into the corkscrew where you puke now? Let's talk. Let's talk about the part of the ride where we puke. <laughs> um, the part of the season that's going to make me puke is injuries. Okay. Robbing us from uh, being able to see good baseball. And obviously, no better example than, you know, we just talked about Austin Hayes. We wanted to see Austin Hayes get off to a good start. We want to see him blossom into a major league uh, starter. You know, we we think the best is is coming from him. And yet again, you know, and I invoked the R word earlier. Um, it's no fun. And and it's just sickening to see long periods of time without Austin Hayes makes me, you know, it makes me queasy. Uh, It makes me uh, unnerved about his career development. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Austin Hayes at the very beginning of the season and just, this is going to be a big season for him just to see how healthy he can stay. Um, So certainly he's got one Nick. um, And now it's a question of, you know, how long he can actually get through the rest of the season without getting injury. Um, but even losing someone like Anthony Santander for a longer period of time, too. For we the, talk, For the second season in a row. Yeah. I mean, we, we keep talking about outfield depth and like, well, we have a plethora of outfielders. Um, but at, at the end of the day, if you continue to see folks, you know, not be able to get to a full season, I think we take for granted that consistency that we saw out there in center field and right field with Jones and Marquecas of just assuming, oh, they're going to play 140, 160 games. Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, and I, we might have to come to this resolution of we've really got to have four or five outfielders ready to go, um, and be cycling in back and forth, back and forth, um, because it's cursed. From an injury standpoint, what would be the greatest disappointment for you this season if we saw extended time missing from somebody? Um, for me, uh, it would be extended, uh, long time on the DL for John Means. That would be my biggest like gut punch. Um, not Urias. No, not Urias. Okay, all right. Um, not not uh, the Moon Dance himself, Freddie Gavis. Uh, a little bit because I don't know who they're going to play from a shortstop basis. But John Means would be a real gut punch to me right now, um, just because of what he's putting out there. Um, it would be hard. Um, it would be really hard for me because I'd be like, who are they going to put in John Means' spot? Because they're already struggling to fill out a rotation. I can fix this. Okay. Steve Wilkerson. Uh, that is not going to work. Done. No, not going to work. Entertainment value out the wazoo. All right. Uh, here's Abado Jimenez is still available. Oh, no. <laughs> here's the part where I puke. Uh, we've said his name one too many times. Chris Davis is eventually going to come back on this team. Uh, y- you are right that Chris Davis eventually is going to come back on this team. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do with him i have no idea if they're smart he'll be the 26th man i still don't think that's good enough i mean i think he has to be the world bird mascot <laughs> just send him out to center field bar area and just be like put the costume on and just wave the flag i mean you're not wrong <laughs> but but we both know that's not gonna happen it can't it can't happen but i mean i just don't know that is brandon Hines' biggest challenge is how do i hide this guy um, and 
not have to have to deal with a 25-man roster instead of a 26-man roster. How do you hide this guy? Brandon Hyde's biggest concern is how do I not get into a fist fight with him in the dugout? I mean, that's because he's just out of hair, but that's a whole other matter. <laughs> All right. That is sickening. Uh, that is the reason why we puke. Look, we've, we've, we've gone through the highs, the lows. We've talked about peeing and puking. Uh, this is a, a great episode for that, I guess. Um, but we keep doing this to ourselves for a reason, right? Absolutely. You get off the roller coaster and then you say, I want to do that again. Now, Jake English doesn't say that. No, <laughs> no, I am nowhere near tough enough for roller coasters. But but our sons do. Like we we talked to our sons, and I I was coming home tonight, and uh, we were listening to the ball game, and my son said, "Wait, the ball game's on. Why are we not there?" And I'm like, "Well, we don't go to every single ball game," and he's just like, "Well, why not?" And I'm like, "You raise a great question here. Why do we not go to every single ball game?" The thing is, is that roller co- people love these rides. Right. People love these rides. And so let's let's turn to it now. Here are the reasons why we love this ride. It, um, Jake, I, I can help you out here. Um, the reason we love this ride is... Um, hmm. You know, we've talked about the lows. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about the puking. Scott, I'm exhausted. I, I have no idea why we do this to ourselves. Bird's Eye View listeners, it's like I hit my head with a bat coming back to the dugout. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> Help us out here, listeners. Tell us why you love this ride. Why do you consistently do this to yourself? You can tell us what your highs and lows are. You can tell you can tell us what makes you want to puke. But tell us especially why you love this ride. And, and if I could just for a moment praise you, uh, dear listener, you guys have done an amazing job this season particularly getting back to us reminding us when we're dumb reminding us when we're wrong uh we love the engagement let us know why do you love this ride tweet tweet at us every single time i look at the bright lights right now it's just really tough for me to see afterwards (laughs) (laughs) all right you need to rest i i I do need to rest like i'm just not feeling good (laughs) let's take a quick break take a quick break and uh and in the meantime maybe we can calm down All right, Scott, we tend to get unreasonably excited around here. We're the ones that said, you know, hey, let's make a podcast. And then we actually did it. We're the ones who said, hey, singing on that podcast sounded like a good idea. We were the ones that said, hey, Rio Ruiz is the next Jonathan Scope. <laughs> those, are, those are broad definitions of the word we. We. Um, but the point is, we get carried away sometimes. Yes. And so I think from time to time, we need to take the opportunity to uh, talk ourselves, talk one another down from, um, you know, from a bad idea or or from maybe uh, letting our enthusiasm get away from us. Yeah. So, um, Scott, I tell me to calm down. Okay. I keep seeing good things reported on social media by the team, by the beat writers, about Jemai Jones at the alternate site. And I got to tell you, I want him here in the majors. I mean, in a bad way. He looks fun. He looks exciting. And we're getting nothing 
out of our second baseman anyway. And this year doesn't matter, and the points are made up, and the the rules don't matter. So, can, please, can we? We just talked about let's make this fun. So let's have some fun. Tell me to calm down when I look and see that recently he was eight for thirteen with two doubles and two home runs and a pair of walks. How can I not be excited about that? Uh, Jake, uh, listen, uh, I was very excited when the Orioles got Jamal Jones. Um, I'm really encouraged to see the numbers. Um, honestly, I think, you know, the soft moonlight has shined on his blush now and it's time for him to come up. I think it's time now. So you're telling me that my enthusiasm is well-placed. Your enthusiasm is well-placed specifically as well. Um, with the likely werewolf syndrome that Freddie Galvis is going through. I think it is the perfect time to call up Jemai Jones at this given moment um, and get him some major league experience. I'm so used to my enthusiasm being tampered down by by smarter, more well-adjusted people. This doesn't feel right. No, it, it does not feel right. But, Jake, I am also um, perhaps a little giddy. Um, you. Yes, me. Um, like John means is like really good, like really, really, really good, like really good. Like he's first in B war for AL pitchers. He's seventh in F war. You know, you just look at his numbers and he's just doing a great job with, with swings and misses. That changeup has been absolutely impressive. Um, and I, and I come back to Nathan Ruiz posting this yesterday during his start. Um, and he says, you know, since September 8th, 2020, um, pitcher A has 49 innings, 1.84 ERA, a .796 whip, and 15.4 Ks per nine. The other one is 52 and two-thirds, a 1.51 ERA, a .783 whip, and a 9.9 Ks per nine. Pitcher A is Jacob DeGrom. Pitcher B is John Means. Now, I'm not sure if I would put John Means into the category of Jacob DeGrom at this moment. Jacob DeGrom is pitching um, out of his mind is probably the easiest way for me to say it, but... What I will say is for September and April, John Means is definitely one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball at this given moment. Um, the stuff is playing. You can watch the movement. You can look at his approach to the plate. Um, and, and John Means just screams, Ace? Wow. So, wow. so Jake, please tell me to calm down and and tell me that the Orioles did not find an ace in their midst. I, I, I can't believe it has, it's me that has to say this. <laughs> Scott, calm down. Okay, thank you. John Oof. Means is fun. Okay, And good. John Means has been better than an 11th round draft pick should ever have been. Okay. And John Means is going to have more good games than bad. Okay. But he is not going to be in the DeGrom territory for any more than an asterisk's worth of time. So we don't need to give him Garrett Cole kind of money? No. Okay. However, however, <laughs> hear me out here. This can be our little secret. Okay. Okay. Here's what you do. Is this is this patient client pre- privilege? No, it's the fact that nobody listens to this podcast. Oh, including your wife. <laughs> no. Nobody has to know that he isn't that good. Okay. Go out and find yourself a nice Adam Jones. Uh-huh. And let's get to work. Okay. It's a it's a left-handed pitcher. Okay. For the Orioles who seems pretty good. Okay. Let's let's go get let's go get our next. So you're uh, saying trade. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. just so put it out there a little bit to the right team and uh didn't fleece them is the best way to put it in, in a few weeks. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm starting to feel more nauseous again. <laughs> listen, listen. I w- I would love 
I would love to be where you are emotionally okay. right now. I, w- I want with every fiber of my being. You want to switch places with me right now. You just want to be on the, on the fainting couch and talking this, about this. This is like Freaky Friday. <laughs> I, I want so bad for John Means to be the real thing. I just, I cannot be all in on John Means. I, I'm loving the ride. Right. But I fully expect a puke at the end. All right. Well, Lindsay Lohan, why don't you go ahead and pop up on the couch and, and tell me what you're thinking? <laughs> that is not that is not where I thought that reference was going to go. And I, I regret. I have nothing but regrets. Um, all right, Scott, I need you to tell me to calm down. Okay. But this time, it is not fun excitement. Frankly, I'm getting a little tired of the Baltimore Orioles right now. I would just like you to take a look at the status of... Of the rotation. Uh-huh. Yeah, we just talked about uh, John Means. That's great. Great. John Means is doing fine. But not an ace. <laughs> but all by himself. Yes. The Orioles are getting nothing but short outings from their starters. The Orioles are 21st in Major League Baseball in the in, uh, starter innings pitched. And, and frankly, the way this feels, I would look at that stat and assume that they were 32nd behind the Royals alternate site and your local over 40 beer league softball team. It seems like every time I look in, in the stat sheet, it's 4.2 innings from the starter, four innings from the starter. And you look at that and you say, okay, there are two ways that you can look at it. One, this team has its starters coming back from a shortened season and you can't put too much on their arms you know, safely. And the other way to look at it is maybe these guys aren't so good. Right, because not everybody's having this problem, particularly not the twenty-one clubs ahead of them. And so, you know, I'm I'm having a harder time making excuses for it the deeper into the season that we get. You know, again, we talk about small sample size, and that's all good and fine, but here we are, twenty-one, twenty-two games into the season, and I'm tired of seeing the the rule, not the exception, be that we get five plus innings from our bullpen. Which, oh, by the way is going to be exposed that way because we've got two Rule 5 guys mm-hmm. back there unless you want to see more of them because they're all blowouts. Yep. And so I ask you, as I get too fired up for the subject, um, should we expect to see outings lengthen from the likes of Harvey and Lopez and Zimmerman and to be announced? Uh, so, Jake, uh, here's what I tell you. Uh, this is a classic symptom of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have a tendency to um, you know have these issues. Um, so we're going to do some stimulus conditioning with you, if that's okay with you. Um, we are going to um, you know stand out in your front yard, and we're going to bring a bunch of children onto it, uh, and they're just going to kind of prance around on your front yard, um, and they're going to do this while clouds are passing over top of your house at the same time. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to not yell at the children that are prancing on your lawn. And I'm going to ask you not to yell at the clouds that are above your house. And you're going to need to do this for the entire game that either Hunter Harvey or Lopez or Zimmerman are pitching. And just you'll have to get through it. And eventually you will get used to the new way Major League Baseball is being played in the 21st century. All right. You you raise a point that I, I want to ask a straight up question. Sure. Am I experiencing a major shift in the way major league baseball is going to be for the next generation uh let me let me point this out as best as i can jake uh you were old and you need to get used to it that um specifically bad pitchers 
uh, are not going to be kept in the game uh, for a significant period of time when you have relief pitchers and specifically Norfolk Shuttle that can be rostered back and forth. So, Jake, you're old. Yeah, but 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 I guess my question is: Is this just because we suck? Yes. Or is this across the league? It's both, but it's because you. It's mainly because we suck. Okay. Okay. But I mean, as much as we want to say we suck, you know, when they do do well, like Matt Harvey did tonight, he went six innings. So again, Jake, you were able to, you know, watch the game a little bit tonight, not yell at the children on the lawn, watch the clouds pass over. Are you telling me to calm down? Uh, I'm asking you to lower your voice and put your mask up if possible. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't hear you with your mask on. All right, uh, so Jake, uh, tell me to calm down. Uh, Scott, I, calm down. And, and an interlude to that, uh, I'm pretty excited because um, if you can't guess as of yet, uh, both of us are in SD Studios. What? Fully vaccinated, uh, fully without mask on, um, you know, just basically getting it on in SD Studios. So Jake- Are we uh, not doing phrasing anymore? We are not doing phrasing anymore. So I have waited up an entire year- uh, I have a pent-up energy, as you were, and need to say, I'm a little frisky, is the best way to put it. Um, Help me. And uh, listen, um, we're going to, you know, you know, take it in stride with this episode. This is one of my highs, as it were, and, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, you know, blow my load, as it were, in terms of just having fun with you. Scott? Yeah. Calm down. Calm down? Calm down. But I can't. Scott, think about baseball. This is not going to go down for four hours. I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> Wrong vaccine. Oh, okay. You I was talking about Orioles baseball. Oh, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. No, Scotty, SD Studios is exactly as I hoped it would be. Uh, it is still sealing this, still peeling floors, but uh, doing okay. It is marvelous to not be separated by the internet. A- a- absolutely. I mean... Uh, how could people think to work in a virtual environment going forward? I have no, no idea. Earthly idea. Well, with that, uh, let's go ahead and you know take a look at the numbers and figure out who won this week in Fantasy Boss. All right, Jake, uh, I managed to tie it up this week um, with a absolutely blowout fashion uh, in terms of home runs. Trey Mancini out homering DJ Stewart, one to nothing. Oh, it was a dominating performance. Dominating performance. Put me to shame. So, so Jake, we're going to go with a, a little bit of a simpler category this week. Simpler than dongs? Simpler than dongs. We're just going to go with hits. Who do you think is going to have the most hits on the team. Oh man, I I I'm struggling to not go chalk here. Yeah. Is it is it wrong for me to go chalk? No, it's absolutely not wrong for you to go talk chalk. I'm gonna say Cedric Mullins. I think that's a that's a great choice. I mean he has been one of the best. Um and you know why shouldn't we think that he is going to continue uh to be one of the best. Um I, I'm torn here because I, I'm thinking about going Are you all out of faith? Uh, is I, this how you feel? I, I'm torn and I'm ashamed. I want to go boom boom, but I'm not. Don't think boom boom is the best choice. So I'm going to go with the fellow compatriot out there in the outfield. I'm going to go with Austin Hayes versus Cedric Mullins, and we're going to see who will own it in the outfield this week. 
All right. I like what I'm seeing. Okay, now, Scotty, hear me out here. I have no statistical basis whatsoever for why this is a current occur. I am approaching Fantasy Boss in the manner of Jake and English, where I am literally just flicking my finger at a name and saying, yeah, that will work. Hey, it is always... And it's always worked. worked for me. <laughs> and, and if you get... And if you get into trouble late in the season, you can always go after my pride with a bonus ball. Uh, absolutely. But yeah, you just pick a random name and say, there's no chance he's going to win this week. And then somehow he manages to win. And I would take offense to that, but that has absolutely <laughs> been my, been my That's strategy, been my strategy. <laughs> for years. So Scott, thank you for finally, finally figuring it out. We, uh, we appreciate that. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and figure out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this past week for Baltimore Royals baseball. It is that time again. It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so, you know, we've talked a little bit uh, about uh, Trey Mancini's season, right? And we talked about, uh, well, you know, it's been kind of a rough one, but not so this week. Uh, This past week, Trey Mancini had a 147 weighted runs created plus. His K rate was, or his K percentage was only 9.1%. And the thing that I thought was most interesting about this was that his BABIP was at about a league average of 294, right? I think the average BABIP is about 290. And so what that means is that you're looking at a a really good week, but not one that was fluky, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so for a guy that's been looking for consistency, for a guy who's really hard on himself, to be able to look at, you know, again, huge weighted runs created plus a 375 WOBA, um, uh, on base percentage of 364. He was, he had a good week. He was good this week. Yeah. I'm going to give my good this week to Matt Harvey, who got one of his first wins since forever. Yeah. Um, so great job for Matt Harvey. I, I, like we talked about before, a real nice comeback story. Um, you know, pitched a really nice game going five innings, um, 7.2 Ks per nine. Again, the stat line isn't great. He did finish with a 1.5 FIP in that one game. Um, but just it's a good story for Matt Harvey to kind of see this, you know, continuing resurgence. And, you know, obviously for this game tonight, you know, going six innings, we'll see if he actually comes out with a win. Um, it's a real good feel story for, for Matt Harvey. And like I said, I'll be, you know, encouraged and, and interested to follow along for the rest of the season. Yeah. And, and again, I really hope that that's the case. It'd be really fun, I think, if we're seeing a reclamation project where, He's actually reclaimed. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and let's look at the bad. Uh, for me, the bad, you know, there's so much uh, to choose from, but I'm going to start with Ramon Urias, uh, and he had a not good. No. He had a negative 72 weighted runs created plus, and he had the uh, lion's share of the of the bats at second base. Uh, he had a K percentage of 25%, and the reason he can get away with that, of course, is his other half of the second base tandem, uh, you know, Rio Ruiz didn't have that great a week either. He also had a K percentage above 20%. Um, now, he had a weighted runs created plus in the 80s, so he wasn't hapless, he wasn't useless, but he's not that great an option over basically a utility player. And so for me, the bad this week is just the view at second base. 
the reason that I'm so excited about the prospect of Jones in second base is not because uh, he is, you know, an absolutely electric, can't miss player. It's because second base is becoming a glaring hole for me. Yeah, my bad for this week is just going to go to, you know, catchers in, in general for the Baltimore Orioles. I just feel like it's been really sloppy behind the plate. Mm. Uh, and we talked about this last week. Um, I just feel like, you know, catching the ball on foul tips has been really poor. And then just some of the pitch framing has been poor as of lately, too. It, you know, further emphasizes the point that, you know, Adley Brutchman eventually is going to come up. Um, and I think it's going to make a dynamic difference for the team. Um, I don't want to see it right now. Um, and I don't even know if I need to see it this year. Um, but I'm going to be glad that this is probably the last season of, you know, fill in catchers is the best way to put it. Hey, we hope, I think it is going to be the last season of fill in catchers. So, um, you know, both Pedro Severino and Francisco get my bad for the week. All right. My ugly this week, I couldn't think of anybody else who deserves, uh, ugly more. It has to go to Wade LeBlanc. Wade LeBlanc. How do you get DFA'd from this team? Yeah. This is a a cast of misfits, and you have to have a special kind of ugly week to get DFA'd. He got a spot start in a bullpen game that they couldn't get uh, Mr. Breakfast up for, and he responded in the worst of ways. Uh, didn't didn't even make it through two innings. Uh, it, it was ugly. It, it was ugly, and I, I don't I, – we talked about this when the, the signing was first done right before opening day, and I still don't understand it. I mean – the Orioles basically gave him $700,000 to pitch a few games. Uh, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It just seems like a waste of money. Um, and I, I just don't understand it. I, I don't understand why they had to make that move. I don't know why they felt like they needed to bring him back to the team and onto the roster. It, it just doesn't add up. I just, I, it, it bothers me is for some reason. The thing is, I, I'm convinced that the team was hoping that Wade LeBlanc would be uh mark hendrickson like raised from the ashes and just you know be like well i wasn't that good during spring training but guys i've got it taken care of now i just i don't know like for a team that is so statistically oriented it just bothered me um is the best way to put it like i said i'm not even upset with wade leblanc sorry wade leblanc um you know maybe they thought okay we're going to designate for assignment hopefully we can get him back to norfolk but like who really cares? Like, it seems like a massive, like, gamble for very little, you know, benefit. You, you know, I think that he's been so bad that he's gone from Wade LeBlanc yeah. to just Wade LeBlanc. Yeah. Uh, Jake, my ugly for the week is the obvious one. Uh, and I'm surprised you didn't touch on this. Um, but the ugly for this past week has to be two off days in one week. Yeah. Like, Oof. what are you doing going from, you know, Texas to Miami and taking a game off on Monday and Thursday. Like, you're only having a two-game series in between there. It just felt really weirdly placed, um, and it just seemed like kind of a waste of an off day. Um, this is the kind of thing that would have driven Buck Showalter absolutely bonkers. Like, he would have come back and, and, and would have talked about this as it relates to, you know, the series and be like, why are we playing the Mariners on this one game and then having to come back and play another game in the next day? And it'd be like, it, it, this is the kind of stuff on an MLB schedule that just, it doesn't make any sense to me, uh, especially in April. I mean, I, I guess maybe partially it's, you know, a weather related thing, but for the Marlins, like they've got a dome. So like if it gets, it, it can't get postponed. So I don't understand this whatsoever. 
I think it's just sloppy scheduling by Major League Baseball. Um, but it's really not great as much as, you know, it's tough sometimes to turn into Baltimore Orioles baseball. I just don't understand um, having two off days in, in April um, to not be able to watch baseball. The worst days. Yeah. They're from worse. April They're terrible. to October are off days. Yeah. Rainy days and off days. Always Rainy days and off down. days. So, yeah, that's it just bothered me is the best way to put it. Um, and I'm sorry. Like I said, it's a, it's a mild rant, but it just really bothers me. Scott, don't calm down. You're exactly right. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and blow the save? Um, and uh, I need to get your perspective on something, Jake. So, Jake, uh, last night, um, you know, there was a no hitter pitched. Except not by MLB standards. So Madison Bumgarner came out, um, pitched a no-hitter, went through the complete game, um, but it was only seven innings. Uh, And by MLB's rules, um, in a shortened win like that, it is technically not a no-hitter. So Jake, uh, you know, looking at what Madison Bumgarner was able to do in this game, knowing that it was a shortened game of being seven innings, do you consider this to be a no-hitter or do you not consider this to be a no-hitter? I'm going to answer your question with a question. Sure. Does Major League Baseball expect me to take seven inning games seriously or not? Are they handing me crap or are they handing me a Major League Baseball game? Because if their position is that they're handing me a baseball game, that's a no hitter. But if they acknowledge that it's not a real baseball game, get that crap off the schedule. Yeah. I I just don't quite understand it like it, it's like you said like if you're going to put these asterisks in there saying look like this is what we have to do this season um i think it has to count as a a no hitter i mean the mindset is a no hitter is you know not recording a single hit through a complete game mm-hmm. and if major league baseball is saying seven innings that's a complete game then technically i think it has to be a no hitter now, if it was a rain delayed situation or something that is precluding it, then I think that's a that's a you know a suspended game, and I sure. don't think that has to end up into a complete game. But Major League Baseball says this is the number of game the number of innings that we are designed to play. Right, we expect to play. Right, this is the game that day. Yeah. So, and, and that's kind of my rub to this matter of like, if you're going to constrain the rules accordingly, then why are you in essence um, holding another pitcher accountable for it? So. It's a no-hitter. I'm looking at it. I give Madison Bumgarner the no-hitter treatment. I know there have been other conversations about this of, well, there's other folks that have gone that way. You know, I think Buster only posted something about, like, uh, posted an article from uh, Beyond the Box Score indicating, like, Nolan Ryan was able to go through seven innings, like, 29 times without giving a hit. And that's great. But it wasn't a complete game. And in this instance, it was a complete game. You know, the Diamondbacks could have gone and got somebody else and put him in the game, but they decided to say, we're going to put Bumgarner out there because he was pitching lights out. Um, and it was their best chance to win that ball game and for him to pitch a no hitter. Can you imagine how incredible Nolan Ryan would have been in seven games? If, uh, in seven innings? If he had Rob Manfred. <laughs> oh my goodness. He would be, um, it, it would be interesting <laughs> be- because he would not only have 29 additional no hitters. Yeah. 
But he would punch ghost runners oh, left and right. Left and right. He would he would not be happy. He would be very, be very surly. Um, but yeah, just something for, for everyone to think about. Like I said, I think um, it's an interesting standpoint. And, and for the reason to blow up seven inning games going forward. I don't think there is any need for it going forward in the future. From your lips to God's yeah. ears. Now, ghost runners, I'm all for. So I will turn this show around. <laughs> and this is the last show at SD Studios. <laughs> and that... That's our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes of Bird's Eye View Baltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at Bird's Eye View Baltimore.com. You can send love notes to Scott at Bird's Eye View Baltimore.com. You can find us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Snapchat. We're on Facebook. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu with you. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. Let's go O's. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.